series that we're doing is answering Charlie's question. And so, uh, Fred, if you want to, why don't you go ahead and, and run our clip for this morning? This is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Father, we need you. Father, I need you. Father, right now for... I just need you. We can't do this without you. We don't want to do this without you. And so, Father, right now I pray that you would just come. I mean, you're already here, I know that. But, the Father, that you would just speak. Father, that you would find that place in every single heart and invade it so that, Father, the lives can be changed so that we can become a little bit more like you. And, God, that cannot happen and will not happen with my words alone. It has to come from your Spirit. And so, Father, we, we yield to that right now. Anoint my words. Anoint my mouth so that, Father, lives could be changed, so that you could be glorified. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This, again, is week two of our Answering Charlie's Questions series. Um, I've always loved Charlie Brown Christmas. I watch it every year. Um, I've passed that on to my son. He, he really enjoys watching Charlie Brown. Um, and what's funny is, like, he doesn't have to watch, like, the, the normal ones, like, Yesterday morning we got up and, and uh, the TV was still kind of crazy and having issues and stuff like that. And so we, we set up the, the mom's computer and put in it. I said, Easton, what do you want to watch? You know, uh, and he said, I want to watch Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving. Some of you did not even know that existed. And I said, you want to watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving? No, no, no. The one where they go and they're the pilgrims. There's actually a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving where they come and they kind of go through the Thanksgiving story from the view of the pilgrims. And he wanted to watch that. And so I've always really enjoyed that. I've always enjoyed Charlie Brown. And so when I looked at wanting to come up with a, a series for Christmas, I, I definitely went to Charlie. And, and basically what this is about, if you weren't here last week, is we're going to basically answer Charlie Brown's question. Basically, throughout the entire show, it's this, this thought of Charlie Brown trying to really figure out what Christmas is all about. And he looks to, he looks to uh, being involved in a play. He looks to um, diff- gifts. He looks to all these different things. And nothing seems to be enough. And so finally, at the very end, he kind of just so exhausted, so tired, just frustrated. Says, is, there, is there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? And Linus looks at him like, well, sure, Charlie Brown. I could have told you from the beginning what, Charlie, what Christmas is all about. And then he gets up and he, he begins to quote Luke 2. And it's a beautiful thing. I'm going to try to kind of give you a little bit of just real short little things about Charlie Brown's Christmas because they just interest me. When, when they decided to do a Charlie Brown Christmas, I believe it was in 1965, they, about six months before Christmas in, in July, they came to Charles Schultz and basically the people that worked with him, and they said, hey, have you ever thought about doing a Christmas special? And they lied and said yes. And they ended up doing it in six months, which, which is a very quick amount of time. And they basically gave it to CBS about a week before it was supposed to air. And they gave it to the executives at CBS. And basically they looked at it, they watched it, and they said, wow, that was awesome, great try, but that's horrible. 
They said, but we have to show it. We have nothing else to show. We'll show it for one year, and it has played every single year since. And so it's funny how when God has a plan and God has a design, it doesn't matter what the people at CBS think, it's going to happen. So it's very neat. It's a very cool story. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to continue talking about that. What is Christmas all about? Well, the first thing we're going to talk about this morning is Christmas is all about good news. And before I do that, I I kind of jumped ahead of myself. Let me stop and uh, let me go back here to Luke. Let's read our text. My fault. Let's look at Luke 2. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to read exactly what Linus basically said. And it's starting with verse number 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flock of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But an angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angels... The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Very famous portion of scripture, Luke 2. Basically, the announcement to the shepherds from the angels of Jesus' birth. And that's going to be our text this morning. That's what we're going to be looking at as we kind of figure out here what Christmas is all about. The first thing Christmas is all about, Christmas is all about good news. Look with me again in Luke 2, 10, the first part of 10, a, and then we're going to jump down to verse number 11. It says, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid. He says, I bring you good news. And then jump to 11. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. If you move on to Acts, anytime you see in Acts, a lot of times what they'll use to talk about the gospel is this concept of good news. Look at Acts 10.36. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Listen, I I know this may sound strange to you, and we talked about this once before, but there is a reason why they actually called the gospel good news. Are you ready for it? It's because it was good news. Okay, we hear that, and most of us, some of us, not maybe most of us, some of us have grown up in church, and so we've heard that term a lot, good news. Good news. Oh, the Bible. Good news. It's good news. Do you realize that it really is good news? Do you realize why it's so good news? When you think about Scripture, you think about times where we see God using the word good, I usually go back to the very beginning. God made the heavens and the earth. God made the earth. He made the the sky. He made the sun. He made the moon. He made the animals. He made all that. And what does he say after each day? He says, and it was good. When God uses this word good, it means something. It means that basically everything he has done, everything he's created, is perfect. It's exactly how he wanted it. It's exactly what God desires. When man sinned, when we messed up and rebelled against God, all of a sudden what God had made good was not good anymore. It wasn't good Before, we could walk with God in the cool of the evening. We could call out to God. God, I I love the story. That's kind of a bad story, but it's a great story at the same time because the imagery in it where Adam and Eve sin and they hide from God and God's walking in the garden. He says, where are you? Well, I, I hid. I hid. And when do we see good appear again? I bring you good news. It was good because people understood how bad it was before. It wasn't what God intended. It never was what God has intended because we messed it up. And so God says, I'm going to make it good again. And how I'm going to do that is I'm going to bring Jesus here. I'm going to let him give himself up as a sacrifice for you so that once again we can have everything good God bringing forth restoration in our lives and in our world is good. 
It's good news. Being separated from God is not good. Jesus comes and brings us so we could be close together. That's good news. Okay? Now, for us, we kind of have been in this good news situation for quite a long time. But to the people that are hearing this, to the shepherds, to the people in Acts, they're experiencing and have experienced the bad news of what it is to be separated from God. They understand that it's not the way God intended for it to be because we had messed up. And now God is saying, listen, I got some great news for you. Now everything's going to start me getting back to where I wanted it to be. That's good news. God wanting to do something inside of you and restore even you is good news. When Paul writes, God wants to make everything new and that you are new... Guys, that's good news. But let's be honest. We don't understand it as good news because we've heard it so many times. We talked about this earlier when we prayed. Listen, if you have lost the awe of God, you need to hit the brakes, find a place, and get it back now. Because that's not a good place to be. If you have become cold and indifferent, if you have let the story of the good news just become another eh, whatever, you are missing out on the fullness of what God wants to do inside of you. And I told you from the very beginning, when I came here and I said, listen, if you're going to vote for me, you're going to have to understand I am going to tell you the truth and you're not going to like it. This is one of those moments you might not like it. But you need to understand there's something that needs to change in all of us where we stop seeing God as just, oh, well, there's God, and go, whoa, that's God. Well, you see God appear in the Bible. Do you ever see this reaction? Oh, hey, God. Yeah, yeah, what's up? Yeah. What do you see? You see the exact opposite. Listen, angels show up. God creates angels. Angels less than God, okay? You math people, less than God. Angels show up. What happens? They flip out, and they're just angels. A lot of times we have issues because people in the Bible begin to bow down to the angel. And the angel goes, no, 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 bad, no good. Can you imagine... God? Okay, let me help you. Moses, I want to see your face. God, I want to know you. I want to do that. God says, oh, that's great. You do, you die. That's awesome. That's incredible. That's like God shows up, we're all gone. God's like, listen, you, you, you can see my back. Now, I know here very soon, you know, you're going to have pictures and wonderful things. Some of you already have, you know, your Christmas pictures. Maybe you send out Christmas cards. I have never, ever, 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 ever seen a Christmas card where basically all you see is someone's back. Merry Christmas from the Nashes. I mean, that's not what you see. And God is so holy and God is so awesome and God is so big. He's even like, hey, I'll, I'll pass by. I'll hide you and you can see my back. And even then, it's kind of like, you know, I would, like, if I'm Moses, I'm like, nah, no, okay. This is great news, guys. I mean, these guys have been sacrificing animals like crazy, and it's still not enough to experience the fullness that we get to experience at any time, any moment. That's good news. Jesus coming, leaving the very splendors of heaven. Being born a child, a baby, so that he can grow up and be the sacrifice for our sins. So that we can put on righteousness and go boldly into the throne room of God. That's good news. Listen, that's good news. If you go, why? Because God's awesome. Because that's what we were created to be. That's what we were created to experience. That's what God said was so good. Christmas is about good news, guys. And we need to understand that. And here's the thing. Like, you have something, you know, I, 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 I don't like to pick on grandmas because my mom's a grandma. But, but I love grandmas for this reason. Have you ever been with a grandma who, within no less than three minutes, has shown you 45,000 pictures of their grandchildren? Okay? And grandmas are smiling, you know. I'm just, and I, that's awesome. You ought to be proud of your grandkids. 
but they're proud. They're excited. Or how about this one? They get a new one. Okay? They get a new one. It doesn't have to be the first. It can be the 48th. It does not matter. And what do they do? They're ringing on the phone. They're going on Facebook. They're, they're emailing. They're calling the local news station. And they're basically all saying the same thing. I have good news. We have a new grandchild. Guys, listen. We, I know some of your grandchildren. They're wonderful. But, but we got some better news than just a child being born. We have the Savior of all mankind being born, and we're kind of quiet about it. And it's Christmas. If there was any time to celebrate, if there was any time to say, hey, listen, I got some great news. This is the moment. This is the time. Christmas is about that. It's understanding there's good news and there's good news to be shared. The next thing, Christmas is all about joy. Look at, again, Luke 2, verse 10. Now we're going to read 10b and then again 11. It says, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. Great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Also, let's jump down to Deuteronomy 16. Is that up there? Nope, there we go. Thank you. Deuteronomy 16, 13 through 16, it says this. Now, this is back in Old Testament, but I think it was interesting, and I think it's something we can understand and learn from today. It says, you must observe, this is God speaking in Deuteronomy. Um, let me stop there for just a second. If you've ever had one of those Bible plan things, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the, you know, this, it's going to start hitting really hard, like in about a month or even like in a couple weeks, maybe even now. Read through the Bible in a year, okay? I am convinced that 98% of people that start that end about Deuteronomy. Okay? I'm convinced they get to, because you start getting like the numbers and Deuteronomy and it's like starting to get a little weird and people are like, okay, that's great. That's fun. Let's go to John now, you know, and things like that, which is cool, which is fine. But Deuteronomy's got some cool stuff, okay? And we need to catch that. And so this is something in Deuteronomy that God is commanding his people, okay? It says this, you must observe, check that out, you must observe the festival of shelters, or tabernacles, if that's uh, what you're more used to, for seven days at the end of the harvest season, after the grain has been threshed and the grapes have been pressed. This festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and daughters, your male and female servants and the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows from your towns. For seven days, again, you must celebrate this festival to honor the Lord your God at the place he chooses, for it is he who blesses you with bountiful harvests and give you success in all your work. This festival, funny how it uses the same words, this festival will be a time of great joy for all. Listen, let's, let, let's, let's stop first and let's talk about something. We need to, as the church, as Christians, start getting serious about the issue of joy. Okay? We need to start... Now, 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 listen. I don't know about you. Maybe you're better at this stuff than I am. But I find when God commands something, typically it's not necessarily something I do very well. God does not have to command me to do certain things. In this passage of Scripture, we see God commanding His people to have a party. We are so broken as human beings that we can't even party right. We can't even have joy right. You want to talk about brokenness? You want to talk about God wanting to restore what we have been and what we're supposed to be? We're so broken, we can't even have joy right. God has to command it. And if God commands it, it's no different than God commanding this. Don't have any other gods before me. Don't covet this is a command of God. You must observe. You must celebrate. Well, you walk into most churches. You talk to most Christians. And let's just be honest. The joy meter's at E. The joy meter's at... 
And I'm not saying, listen, a lot of times people mess up, mess up and they think, well, joy means that I have to run around like a crazy person. No, 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 no. Joy is something deeper. Joy is something greater. Joy is something that springs up from within us. But it's something that we have to work at. It's something that we don't do naturally. It's something that we have to cultivate. It's something that we have to work on. And listen, it's serious business. It's important. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. The fruit of the Spirit has joy in it. You know what's interesting? Seriousness, stubbornness, those things are, are interestingly absent from that list. But joy is very present. Joy is happening. The Messiah comes and we have great news of great... No, joy. Joy. Let's be honest. Let's, let's stop. Let's take an inventory individually. Let's not think of our husbands or our wives or our kids or our grandkids. Let's think about us for a second. How's your joy? Be honest, because there's no sense in lying to yourself. Okay? How's your joy? Where's your joy at? Because here's the thing you need to understand. God is more joyful than you. God is funnier than you. God laughs more than you. Our job is to get as close to that as possible. So then why are we walking around like we've all been weaned on a dill pickle? I look at my child. I look at your children. And you know what I see? Joy. And then I see their parents. And I'm one of them. And their grandparents. And you know what I see? Heaviness. Worry. Stress. But Aaron, I have 45 people coming to my house for Christmas dinner. And I have to do this. And I have to do that. And I have to make sure this looks right. And this food has to be correct. And blah, 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 blah. You know what? That's not what Christmas is all about. It's not. You know what it is about? Joy. Joy. I, have, I got to experience life without my wife and my kid. And one time, they came to visit the very first time. And they came, they were, I was here. They came through those doors. And you know what I did? I experienced joy. You know what I didn't do? Oh, well, I don't know if the carpet's quite nice enough. Or, or uh, the, uh, are, the lights, are the lights just right? Or, or how does this look? Or how does that... Oh, is my office cleaned up? Oh, my goodness. No. At that moment, all that mattered was that I was near my loved ones. I experienced joy. Where's your joy? You see, because the Savior has come. The Savior is here. Where's our joy? You say, whoa, 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 no, no buts. Very clear. Bible's very clear. Joy. Not happiness, joy. Happiness is based on your situations and your circumstances. Joy is based on the fact that one day when all those situations and circumstances are over, you get to be in eternity with the Savior that loves you and gave his life for you. That's joy. And you know what? I'm sorry, but walking around this world and going, so, you know, Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you and... You wanna, you wanna, you wanna, I gotta go. Oh yeah, that sign me up. Come on. But when you walk into people's lives and you're experiencing, they know what joy is. Because they're lacking it so desperately. Why is Charlie Brown so upset at the end? It's because he's empty inside. And when he figured out Good news of great joy. Everything changed. We need to get serious about the business of joy again. We need to understand that this place and this house will be a house of excitement and of joy and celebration. I'm sorry, it's going to be. And you're going to get sick of it. And I'm going to say, sorry, biblical, get over it. We're going to celebrate. When things go right, we're going to rejoice and we're going to celebrate. When things don't go right, we're going to mourn together and we're going to pray together. But this will be a house of celebration and joy because the Lord has commanded it to be so. Period. And you want to sit there with a sour expression? You go right ahead. 
but you're going to miss out on what God has. Sorry. Because I believe eternal life starts right now. And I believe that we have a reason to experience the joy of the Lord. Because the bottom line is this. There's some times where I'm tired and God's joy comes and everything changes. Though the sorrow may last for the night, the joy comes in the morning. For too many of us, we have lived in the sorrow of the night. And it is time to experience the joy in the morning. And if you choose not to, it's not because God isn't offering it. It's because you refuse to go and live in it. Period. Because it's there and it's offered. And it's offered in ways that these shepherds dreamed about. And we get to experience it. Next, Christmas is all about worship. Look, verse number 2, 13 and 14. It says this, Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Now, you got to understand something. I love Christmas music. One of the reasons I love Christmas music is because basically, you you need to understand this. A lot of it, now some of it isn't, okay? But a lot of it, is nothing more than worship songs. That's all it is. It's worship songs. And you know what I love about it? Is you turn on the radio and you have people that do not know God from a kumquat singing about how great God is. Do, do they know what they're doing? I don't know. I don't care. I just love that they're doing it. I just love that there's this expression of worship to God. I love the scripture where it says, listen, if you don't, the rocks will cry out. Isn't it funny that we call it rock and roll? The rocks are crying out. They don't even know what they're saying. That's how great God is. That he will be praised. He will be worshipped regardless. Because he is that good and that awesome and that amazing. That's why I love Christmas music. Now, listen, I like Let It Snow, and I like Jingle Bells, and I like We Wish You a Merry... All those are great. But you know what I really like? Joy to the world. Emmanuel. Come, let us adore him. Those, those lines, those things that stick in my mind. Well, Christmas is all about worship. Christmas is all... Listen, listen. The angels announce his birth. They announce, and what is the natural response of that happening? They all show up and they sing and they worship. And guys, let me, I'm going to pick on the guys for just a second, okay? Girls, you can, you can, you can hear this and then help me later if, if there's an argument in your home. I want you to notice something here. And this is, this is going to be just a little weird because I know angels do not have genders, but just go with me on this. I like that we have the armies of heaven. Listen, you know what I get real sick and tired of, and I'm just going to be honest again. I, I, I will get to a point where I don't have to say, um, I'm just going to be honest. You'll just know I am, okay? I get real tired of looking at a church service and watching the women worship and the men stand there like bumps on logs. Listen, men, we are to be the leaders of our home. And if we can't lead in every area, that we need to make some changes and make some fixes. Now, does that does not mean you need to be dancing around the front, going nuts and going crazy? I've seen guys that will worship very quietly, just, just like this. But you know there's something serious going on. This isn't about style. This is about substance. And I love the fact here that we have the armies of heaven. And what I see there is this. These aren't the little wimpy angels. Not that there are wimpy angels, but you get what I'm saying here. These are the, and they're showing up, and this is good news, and we're going to praise, and we're going to worship, because he deserves it, because he is glorified, because of what he is doing. Listen, let this season be about worship for you. Not just, not just in this setting, not just when the music is playing but in every way, shape, and form that you live your life, because that's worship. If you think that you have narrowed down worship to, that's what we do at the beginning, or that has music, or whatever, you are missing the understanding of what worship is. You are mistaking the idea of worship with a music set, 
Worship takes place every moment of every day in your life, whether you know it or not. The issue is always the same. What are you worshiping? Are you worshiping yourself? Are you worshiping your desires, your wants, your situations? Or are you worshiping what God is and what God has done? When you look at a mountain, do you go, oh, what a beautiful rock? Or do you say something like this? God, thank you for creating that because that's amazing. Not that you have to do that every time, but you get what I'm saying here? That is worship. That is in awe. That is understanding how amazing it is of God to send his son for us to experience the fullness of his nature. And of his goodness. And of his mercy. And of his love. And it's awesome. Now listen. I understand that there are different strokes for different folks, okay? And there are certain ways that some people respond and not. And I want to be clear. This is not about response to a certain style or to a certain way. Because I'll just be honest with you, just like I've seen the guy that's quiet having an intimate moment with God, I've seen the person running the aisles going cuckoo, that doesn't know Jesus at all, okay? This isn't about how loud we can be or how boisterous we can be or how crazy we can be. This is about having a moment with the Father that loved us enough to send his very only Son so that whosoever believed in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. That's what this is about. This isn't about, I like this song or I don't like this song. This isn't about, I don't like this volume or this volume. Listen, okay? I I understand all that stuff. This is not my first rodeo. But hear my heart on this. I understand there's going to be music that you enjoy and there's going to be music that you don't enjoy. And in that moment, when it's not to your preference, who are you going to worship? all I'm going to ask. Who are you going to worship? Because you know what? There are songs that I don't particularly like all that much. And you know what? I'll be honest with you because I can do that and I have a microphone. There are some times where I, in that moment, I worship myself. And I say, you know what, God, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like this song. I don't like what this song says. Or this is too loud. Or it's too quiet. Or this it needs to be faster. Or it needs to be slower. And I have to go to God afterward and say, God, I'm so sorry that I worship myself in your worship service. God, help me to do better. This is not a rebuke. This is not a get your act together. This is an understanding of what you are and who God is and that he is worthy to be praised no matter what. It's kind of funny. We just keep going back to this and I did not plan this, but this understanding of standing in awe of God and who he is and who we are. Because when we truly understand that, the natural response will be worship. The natural response will be in awe of him. It will not, listen, this is not what I see when I see an apple tree. Apples. Doesn't happen. You just walk by. What happens? Apple. Natural response. Just what it was created to do. That's worship. When we understand who God is, we understand what God has done. Remember, good news, joy. Kind of funny how it's all kind of flowing together here. Don't look at me and go, wow, Aaron, that was really cool. I just took what the Bible said and went in order. You get good news? What's the natural response? Joy. You got joy? What's the natural response? Worship. Huh? Funny. It's like God knows what he's doing. If only we lived that way, huh? When we realize that, worship is a natural response. Finally, number four, last thing. Christmas is all about peace. Look at Luke 2, excuse me, 2.14. It says this. <clears throat> excuse me. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Let's jump to Ephesians 2, 13, 14a. He says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace 
to us. Christ himself has brought peace to us. Listen, we have a warped understanding of peace. We really do, okay? We have this idea that peace is the absence of war or the absence of conflict. But to the Jewish mindset, this idea of peace was something much greater and much different. It's this idea of shalom, okay? You got a Hebrew word this morning. For all you theologians, there you go. There's your cookie. Shalom. And to a Jewish person, to have someone say shalom, it does not mean, I hope there's no conflict in your life. I hope there's not war in your life. It was something much more encompassing. It was something that was inner and outward. It was a part of every part of your life. It was not just peace as in I'm not fighting with my wife or my kids right now. It was something that sprung up from within you and radiated out of you to the point where it literally splashed on other people. Have you ever been in that situation? Let me give you an idea. The world's falling apart. Everything's happening. The kids are screaming. The, the, the house just burnt down. The car blew up. I have all that stuff going on. And then someone walks into your life all of a sudden and says, let's just pray. And there's just a peace right there. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's like God uses that individual to kind of focus you and kind of center you. That is the peace that we're talking about here. Jesus, in, his, in, in, in the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about blessed are the peacemakers. He is not talking about politicians. He's not talking about people that are going to negotiate in the Middle East. He's talking about people who walk into those situations and bring a steadiness and a calmness and a fullness. Why? Because of them? Absolutely not. But because of who Jesus is inside of them. Some of you know this. Some of you don't. We hit a deer on the way back last week. We still haven't heard from the insurance company. We don't know what's happening. And very easily, we could both be sitting there, Em and I, and we have fought this. Or maybe I'll, no, I will speak for myself, not my wife. I have fought with peace, right, this week. Because I'm going, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? What are we going to That's not peace. Peace is going, no matter what happens, God's got it. No matter what takes place, God is in control. And the peace that passes all understanding. Oh. I remember as a kid reading that going, what does that mean? And then I grew up, and then I completely understood what that means. Now, that's interesting. I want you to stop there for a second. You know why I didn't understand it when I was a kid? Because I didn't understand what it was not to trust my father. I didn't know what it was. I just always had peace. Why? Well, because God said he's going to take care of me, so God's going to take care of me. God says he loves me, so he just loves me. God says he'll forgive me, so he'll just forgive me. When I got old and <clears throat> educated, I started understanding that. I started understanding, well, I really need peace in my life. And Jesus shows up and he brings it. For Christ himself has brought us peace. Christ himself has brought us peace. At the very, very end, right before they sing in Charlie Brown Christmas, Charlie Brown has grabbed that little scraggly tree. He's left all the people. He's got away from everybody, and he's outside. And he closes his eyes, and, in his, and what it is, is kind of like in his mind, he hears Linus repeat those things. And I don't know how Charles Schultz is able to do this with a cartoon and, and, a, and a face, but you can just feel, at least I can, you can feel Charlie Brown come to a place of peace. Why? Because unto him was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Listen, I am not here to belittle your pain or your situations and your circumstances. Because let's be honest, we deal with some very difficult things. Okay? That's not what this is about. And you need to understand something, understand something as well. God doesn't do that either. Okay? But at the same time, what I do want to express to you is that you have peace available to you. 
Now listen, let's be honest. Some of us, we don't want it. We make our address at 555, you know, bitter way, and that's where we live. And we have people come to us, and they knock on the door and say, listen, you can experience God's love and God's peace. And, and they shut the door. And I'm not talking about the people that don't know Jesus. I'm talking about the people that do. This is available to you. Why? Why? Because there's good news. And that produces joy. And that produces worship. And then that produces <laughs> peace. It just kind of goes. Because that's what Christmas is all about. Not about the stuff. It's not about the dinner. It's not even about necessarily everybody getting together. And are those things wrong? Nope, absolutely not. They're wonderful. I love them very, very much. Nothing wrong with those things. But you know what? If you focus this season on that stuff, you're going to be just as frustrated as Charlie Brown. You are. Because you are trying to fit stuff in a hole that was created specifically for Jesus. If I could like narrow it down and say, what's wrong with the world, at least in our country right now, about Western civilization. What is, what is really wrong? And, and, and I'm going to be really, really simplistic here because and, and, I could basically speak another three hours on all that. But I'd probably say one of the major things is that too many people are trying to stuff stuff where only Jesus is supposed to fit. And that's what Charlie Brown was doing. He, he, was, he, was, you know, he was getting busy. He, he, you know, Lucy, you've got to get involved in some great Christmas play. You got to do this. You got to do that. You, you got to write a letter to. You got you to ask for all the stuff. You got to get all the stuff. None of it satisfied him. He went and got the tree, and he was all excited. And then that didn't work out. I mean, just constant over and over and over. What brings him peace at the very end? What Christmas is really all about. I mean, when you really think about it. Yeah, we're, we're breaking it down to some smaller little things that we can focus in on. But let's be honest. And I'm not going to do this because then what we speak about last week and this week and, and maybe next week. At least maybe I could, but it might bore you. But really, this is just all about Jesus. That's what everything's all about. But it's about these things too. It's about letting the fact that Jesus came bring forth good news and joy and worship, and peace. It's about letting that change us. It's about letting God do something amazing in us. Because here's the thing. Here's, here's what is very interesting. How does Charlie Brown Christmas end? Think about it. How does it end? Most of you have seen it. If you haven't, please. I actually have the DVD in my office. I might let you borrow it. Actually, probably not. Maybe after Christmas. Because East don't want to watch it, and we're going to 45 times. But how's it end? It ends not with Charlie Brown alone, but it ends with his friends and his family all around him. And what do they end with singing? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. You see, when Charlie Brown understands what Christmas is all about, it doesn't just change Charlie Brown. It changes them all. The tree that they looked at that they said was too small and too gross and just, it, just, it just didn't fit the modern spirit. Linus comes and he puts it up and he says, you know, it never was such a bad little tree. Maybe all it needs is a little love. And then they come and they decorate it. And then they begin to worship the newborn king. You see, I believe very strongly that if we, especially during this season, can grasp these things and become a mirror of what Christmas is all about, it will not just change us. It will change people that we come in contact with. And they will begin to sing. Because you know what? They're just as empty as you were. They're just as frustrated as we have been. But now, now we can sing. Now we can worship. Because we have truly begun to find what Christmas is all about.
if the worship team would come up. We're going to close here in just a second. Good news, joy, worship, and peace. I never said I was going to come to you guys and bring you a uh, deep, deep message every week. Sometimes it's just the simple stuff that we need to get a hold of and a grasp of because that sometimes is the stuff that really can change us. It's not that the deep stuff isn't important because it is, and I like that stuff, but sometimes it's just going, you know, how is my life reflecting joy? How is my life reflecting peace? Sometimes we need to figure out that and let that begin to be a motivating factor in our lives. Sometimes understanding those things are what changes so deep inside. So let me ask you a question. And again, just for you, not, not your wife, not your, not your son, not your husband, not all the people, but just you. Couple quick questions. Have you been sharing the good news? Has your life been sharing the good news? Has your words been sharing the good news? How's your joy? How's your joy? Again, remember, not, not happiness, joy. Because here's what's beautiful about joy everything can be going wrong in this rock. And you can still have joy. Is it easy? Uh -uh. (laughs) It's hard. But it can still happen. It can still happen. How's your worship life? I notice I used those words on purpose. Not how do you worship, but how's your worship life? You know, Paul said to pray without ceasing. He didn't say pray and do this when you're in this building. He said without ceasing. How's that go? And listen, again, remember, you know, because I know what people think. You know, oh, I have to do it this way or that. No, 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 no. No, God doesn't say in his word, if you do not do this and this and this and this and this, you have not worshipped. But what does he say? He said, worship in spirit and in truth. Nowhere does he say jump up and down or clap. Nowhere does he say to do those things. Spirit and truth. Music isn't necessarily mentioned in that moment. So that means you can do it anywhere. Your life can be worship. Your life should be worship. You should express those things with the words of your mouth. So how's your worship life? And finally, how's your peace? Look, I, I know it's busy. There's, there's, there's things to do. There's, you know, there's... For some of you, maybe there's end-of-the-year work stuff. I mean, it's, it's a crazy busy time. But you know what? You can be busy and have peace. And you can not be busy and not have peace. I mean, you know, there are excuses that you can give, and that's fine. But you, when you give an excuse, you're going to miss out on what God has. And I don't want you to do that. So that's your peace. There are going to be times when we get together and we meet where it's very important that you do a self-examination. Because as much as I wish that basically I could look at you and I could just see a long list of situations and circumstances and then go to you and pray for you or, or help you in those areas, I am not a mind reader. I can only share what I believe God has placed on my heart to share. And then I present it to you and the rest is up to you in the Spirit. And sometimes you've got to stop and go, okay, you know what? Um, I'm doing pretty good, but, but, but I, need, I need more joy. And that's when you take responsibility for your own personal walk with God. And you say in the time that I'm going to give you in just a moment, Father, my life has not mirrored the joy that I know is mine because of what Jesus has done for me. And I pray that right now you would infuse my life with that joy. That you infuse my life with that peace. And when the enemy comes in, because the enemy will come in and try to take it, try to bring forth situations and circumstances. Father, when he does that and he comes in like a flood, Father, I know and I pray and I know that you will raise up a wall 
to keep that from happening. And I will continue walking in my joy and continue walking in my peace. You have got to take responsibility for your own personal walk with Jesus. I can't do it for you. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I believe very strongly that the Spirit has been speaking to you. If you're listening, He's been speaking. He's been speaking about certain areas in your life that need your attention. That He desires, listen, not to reprimand you, but to bring forth a fullness of what He has. This isn't punishment. This is something where our good, good Father forms us and molds us and shapes us. That's what we want. So as I pray, whatever those issues are, whatever of the four things, maybe God has spoken to your heart about something I didn't even speak on, and that would be awesome too. But I want you to pray. Pray with me that God will bring those things to your life. And then the worship team will come and close us in a song. Father, we love you. Father, we need you. Father, whatever you desire to do right now in the hearts and the lives of these people, Father, I pray that every single one of us, myself included, we yield to your spirit right now. Father, if we need to understand a greater degree of, of the good news of your son, bring that about. Father, if we need to understand a greater understanding of, of basically the understanding of, of worship in our lives. That, Father, you'd bring that about. If, Father, we need to have some more joy and some more peace, that, Father, that you would bring those things about. Father, this is not about getting together because it's Sunday. It's about getting together and letting you change us. Not because you're mad, not because you're angry, but because you have stuff that's better. You're going to make us more like your son. So, Father, whatever those issues are, whatever those situations are, change us. Make us more like you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all.